0: Thank you, Steve and worship team. And good morning again, church family. Um, As I went down to sit, uh, I realized I forgot to mention that we have some cards in the back. And there are so many of us, uh, so many people who have been sick and people going through chemo treatment in particular, um, Renee, who is going through chemo and radiation these last few weeks, and she's going to be going for a while more. And we have cards in the back. Um, you can write her a card. There's also cards if you want to write someone else you haven't seen here for a while, um, someone you know is struggling or sick, feel free to write them a note and just leave it there, you know, put it in the envelope, but we can address it for you and mail it. We don't have to worry about getting yourself to the the mailbox to mail it. So if you're feeling a little down, um, you're thinking of someone else that you might think might be feeling a little down to, just go to the table in the back and send them a card and, If you want to receive a card, let us know so we can send you one too, Uh, because each one of you matter whether you're here in person or online. Now um, it was, uh, I can't remember if this was last year or the year before, but um, in in more recent history, Dan and I began this monthly practice. And it's a monthly practice, Dan doesn't know where I'm going with this. He's like, what is she talking about? Dan and I began a monthly practice we like to call the Stringer Family Business Meeting. Was that this year, last year? Last year. Okay, it was last year. Okay, it feels like we just started it, but I guess not. It's like many of you, you know, our days tend to be pretty full, and by the time, you know, the whole the whole day is done, like we're kind of tired, and Um, So we usually try to do something fun or relaxing together. So last year, we found time to watch all of Bosch, which we really enjoyed. It's this great detective show set in um, Los Angeles. Actually, Pastor Dale told us about it. And then we're still working our way through Schitt's Creek, which I was like, should I say the name? Yes, I will. It's a great, it's a really fun little show. Um, It's a little... it's a little irreverent at times, but uh, charts the, this, this family as they go through some really unprecedented times together. So usually in the evenings, we like to have fun, we like to relax, we like to watch our favorite shows. Um, and if it were up to me, we would only do really fun things together, but Dan is a pretty practical guy, and at some point in time, we do need to have conversations about car repairs, and money, and taxes, and the kids' school, and car repairs, and calendar, and oh, the list goes on and on. I guess we do have to talk about that sometime. So we would tend to have these conversations late at night when neither of us were at our very best, when Dan could kind of finally track me down, and I'd be ready to sit and listen, and by then it'd be like 11 o'clock at night. So (laughs) those those conversations weren't always the best until one of us had the bright idea, and I think it was Dan, to make a date out of it. Brilliant! (laughs) Brilliant! So um, now we meet uh, sometime in the morning at the kitchen table, there's two cups of iced coffee, and I drink both of them because Dan doesn't drink coffee, (laughs) and then we have all the unfun conversations we didn't have during the month, right? And I have to say, it's actually quite fun. So thanks, Dan, for brainstorming and coming up with something great. Now, if you, if you don't mind, I don't have any ice cups of coffee to share or drink all of myself. But I thought maybe could we do a quick Wellspring business meeting, Wellspring family business meeting right here, right now? Is that Okay okay. Oh, I got some consent. If you said no, I guess I would have just like skipped to the next part. I don't know. (laughs) So thanks for saying yes. Yes. Where have we been? Where are we now? And where are we going? Well, at this point of, of our journey, our vision for the church is mending, equipping, and releasing disciples of Jesus. These three words: mending, equipping and releasing. They're providing with us with a way forward in this moment we find ourselves in this sort of COVID world where everything is strange and, and not as it used to be, and there's a lot of possibility to make things better. So we began the year with uh, amending life series. We went through what it means to be a mending community, what it means to be a mended person. And we we went through the Sermon on the Mount and we asked ourselves, what if Jesus was really serious? What if Jesus was serious about what he taught? How might our lives and the world around us be mended? So we began the year with mending. Can y'all say mending? Mending, yes. And then we switched, we moved up to equipping. And this was in Lent, and we went through the Jonah journey, right? We looked at Jonah and his journey, and we looked through ways that our journeys are kind of similar. And we saw each week a different spiritual practice um, of formation, right? Because all of us are being formed all the time by many different things. Um, We looked at a different spiritual practice we could pick up and we could use in our journey And so it's an equipping series, as we sought to be people who are, um, we have what we need, and oftentimes that is us, right? That's what we take through life, good or bad. So we continued in this equipping theme then after Lent, in the season of Easter, as we looked at Rework. And we asked ourselves, what is the reworking that I need to do or God wants to do in me? Just like you might rework lines of a code or rework a melody if you're creating something. What's the rework we need to do to be better equipped disciples of Jesus? And we looked at different rewords. Pastor Dan was really funny with laying them all out there. We looked at reemerge and remedy and return and remember, revision, and that was some of them. And then, of course, as the, as the series went on, we started thinking of more rewords. We <laughs> could have gone on all year. So you're welcome. We didn't. <laughs> So that's where we've been, where we are now, right? We've, we've, we've leaned into our words of mending and equipping. And now we're transitioning to look at the word releasing. What does it mean to be a community of people who are released, to be who we are out there in all of our circles of influence, to be who we are with God and let that love shine? So over the next um, months, in the summertime, we're going to be going through releasing. Can you all say releasing? Yes. Sorry, I think I forgot to say it with equipping, but you'll remember it anyway. Now I'll remember it more because you didn't say it before. Mending, equipping, and releasing. And that's where we are now. So starting after Father's Day, we're going to be going through a new summer series called Bless. And we're going to be leaning into what does it mean to be this releasing community? So can you all say bless together? Bless! Okay, that's where, that's where we're going. That's where we're going. But our text for today, um, our text for the day is going to set us up for this whole summer series on Bless. And our text for today is kind of in an unlikely place. It's right in the middle of a prayer, It's right in the middle of Jesus' prayer to his heavenly parent on the night of the Last Supper. It's right before his betrayal, his trial, and his death. And, you know, all throughout his ministry, Jesus has been caring for the least of these. Jesus has been healing people. He's been touching lepers. He's been really pissing off the religious and sociological leaders of his day and political leaders of his day. Can I say that word? He's been really making them mad. (laughs) He's been doing all sorts of things. And where he is now at this moment in time, he's observing the Passover. He's at the Last Supper with his disciples. He knows he's going to be betrayed and killed. And in this moment, he's praying to his Father for those in the room with him, as well as those of us who are to come. Let's see what he says. John 17, verses 13 through 21, ultimately. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. That's the disciples. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Thanks be to God. So Jesus' prayer makes it clear that difficult times are upon them. There have been difficult times in the past. There are difficult times right there, and there are difficult times still to come. If they were having a family business meeting, this is what they're talking about. What has gone before, what is happening now, and what is to come. This Passover, Last Supper, is very much like a family business meeting. And here in this prayer, Jesus is is acknowledging that evil times are upon them. That the, the evil powers that be, the evil one is out for blood. That the world will not always be a safe or welcoming place. That the powers of violence and fake truth and animosity will try to win out. And what I love about God in this passage is that God does not gaslight us then or now and pretend that everything's fine. Right? Jesus isn't like, oh God, you know, thanks that everything will turn out okay. They are there, disciples. They are there. No! Jesus doesn't do any of this. He's getting ready for the cross, right? He's getting ready to experience the worst that humanity can do, and Jesus names it. There is an evil one. There's plans for violence. Not just now, but in the future, which is why I'm praying that you will protect them in the now and in the future. And Jesus knows all this. Jesus doesn't dance his way around it. Jesus states the truth about where they are. Jesus tells the truth about the pain and the evil in our world. Friends, that tells me that then as well as now, that Jesus knows what you face and knows the troubles of our world. Each of you came in today with things in your mind, in your body, your soul that you've been carrying, whether it was news you were watching this week, whether it was news closer to home about family member who's not doing well, or someone who's going through uh, treatment, someone who's sick, someone who passed away. Each one of you walked in here today carrying pain and troubles. I know I did. Friends, Jesus knows what you face. Jesus knows the troubles of our world, the troubles around us whether it be disorientation from ongoing COVID or frustrations with your political party or your neighbor's political party, or the rat race of working, 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 working just to pay basic bills, or your disappointment with the church at large, there are troubles. And friends, Jesus tells the truth about troubles. Jesus tells the truth even about evil and about the horrors because Jesus knows that sometimes the pain and hardship can cause us to forget that God knows. All this can cause us to forget that God knows and cares, and God is doing something about it. Because number one in your notes, God continues to contend for the good of our world. God continues to contend for the good of our world as God has been and continues to be on mission. You see, from the very beginning of our human history, God has been on mission. If you were to zoom out from this, this prayer at the last summer and supper and you were going to zoom out through Jesus' ministry and then maybe zoom out through his birth and then continue zooming out through all of scripture all the way back to the, the very beginning, one of the earliest stories we have is a story of, of, a, of a family of two people who were carrying pain and troubles who had an open heart to God and God saw that, and they developed a relationship, and God sent them on mission. Genesis 12 says this, Jesus is talking to Abraham before his name changed, so Abram. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and in you all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. So from the very beginning, from one of the earliest stories we have about God and humanity, we have this story of blessing as God reaches out to this family and says, you know what? You and I have this going. I'm on mission. I'm going to be on mission with you. Is that okay? I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your descendants. They're going to be a blessing. All families on the earth will be blessed. Actually, I I love another translation better. The the word nations of the earth, it's, it's really in Hebrew. It's this idea of families. All families of the earth will be blessed. So It's not this like political countries. It's actually this idea of families. All the families of the earth will be blessed because God is on mission. God contends for our good. God contends for our good to bless. Can y'all say bless? Bless. Yes. Oh, wait. Can we say a little louder than that? God God contends to bless. Bless. Oh, that was good. Okay. So now my friends at home heard that one. (laughs) You want to make sure you're, you say it loud enough, it gets picked up by my mic. So at home, the word is bless. God contends to bless us. And we see this, you know, not just in the book of Genesis, but we see this all throughout scripture, right? This pattern of people encountering God and then being invited on God's mission. Whether it be Moses at the burning bush, who experiences this like burning presence of God and then is sent to free his people from slavery, or maybe it's like Isaiah, right? He is suddenly caught up into another realm, in this other reality, and he sees the Lord on this throne, and he receives mending and grace and forgiveness, and then he's immediately sent out, right? God says, who will I go and who will send me? And actually, what I love about that story is that Isaiah volunteers. He's literally like, here I am, Lord, send me. (laughs) Like, that doesn't happen a lot in all the biblical stories. A lot of times, Jesus, like, God just taps people, like, here you go. In this case, Isaiah volunteered. I think of Esther, right? Esther is recalled to her true self, right? She was in this, this terrible moment in time, this nightmare. Her life was turning out in, the, in a really way that she would never have anticipated. And in that moment, she is recalled to herself as she sees her stepfather mourning. And something in that was the voice of God. Something in that grief, she was able to say, you know what? Maybe I am supposed to be here for this moment in time. And she was on mission with God, to bless her community. We see the angel Gabriel appearing to Mary, inviting her to be on mission with God to bring God's own life into the world through a child who would be her child and God's child. That's like a little tricky, like how do you do parenting with that? Like, or like weekends, like you get him for the summer, I'll get him on the weekends. Like that's hard. How do you co-parent with God? And Mary somehow did that. It was like such a such a big ask God asked her to do because God is on mission. And she said yes, and so many people said yes because friends, God from beginning to end is on mission to save and bless our world. God continues to contend for us. And friends, God continues to contend for you. Sometimes it might look as though God's contending is is weak. It's ineffective. In just a day after praying this prayer, Jesus would be tortured and left dying on a cross, betrayed by a friend and a religious system that couldn't see the blessing of God in him, condemned to die through a political system that saw threats to their power as pawns to eliminate, Sometimes it looks as though God's contending for us is not winning. Sometimes it looks as though evil wins. Sometimes it looks as though violence and hatred and enmity and false news and false truth is going to win the day. This is truth-telling. We were to speak the truth about how it really feels. Sometimes it feels like that. And friends, in that moment, if we were to go back to that Friday, it was impossible to see at that moment. We only know from the moments after, that, even there, in the moments that, that looked the most ineffectual, where God looked the weakest, that Jesus was living fully into God's rescue plan. The rescue plan to overturn death itself, to hold a mirror to humanity and show us our worst, yes, we killed God, and also reveal God's contending love and life that will never die and instill in us love too as we realize we are worthy because God will do anything for us. Friends, Jesus tells the truth about the horror of our world to let us know that even in our worst moments, God continues to contend for good and has not left us. And in your worst moment, your worst moments, when I was holding my dying son, somehow God did not leave me. Maybe it was when you were filling out a police report to finally name what was done to you. God has not left you. Maybe it's holding your breath as your child or grandchild goes to school and you're hoping they stay safe. God has not left you. Maybe it's taking out that student loan and wondering how you will ever pay it off. God has not left you. Maybe it's saying goodbye to that family member or facing the empty silence from that grown child. God has not left you. Whatever your worst moments have been, know that you can tell the truth about them. Jesus tells the truth to let us know that God sees what is wrong. God is contending. God is contending for the world at large. God is also contending for you. In the passage that we just read, the word world is used so many times. It's just like left, right, and center. If you were to go back through it and and underline it, you would be like, wow, that's a lot of the use of the word world. Now, when I grew up, I grew up in a faith that really emphasized that God loved the world. And actually, we see that in the book of John, because the book of John loves this word. Actually, the book of John loves this word so much, I just got to say, the writer of it, I, I stopped counting at 50 times to use this word world, which is this word cosmos in the Greek. And cosmos means kind of what cosmos means in the English language. It's this idea of all of creation. So John's writer is there just like throwing like cosmos out left, right, and center. God did not condemn, come to condemn, Jesus did not come to condemn the cosmos, but save the cosmos. I mean, it's just like cosmos left, right, and center. And so growing up with this, I sometimes felt like, oh, you know, God loves the world, but what about me? What about me as a person? I'm just like one person in that whole cosmos. What about me? What I like about this text is even though it uses the the, world, the word cosmos a lot, right, world, it's actually used in counterpoint to highlight who Jesus is praying for and talking about. And in this moment, Jesus is not praying for the world. Jesus is not praying for the cosmos, although you, you can sure bet that he does, and he did. He's praying for a smaller group of people. Jesus is praying for individuals. He's praying for that little group of people in that room and those who will believe in him to come. Friends, that tells me that Jesus doesn't just care about the world, but Jesus cares about you <laughs> and about me, about us as, as, as individuals too. That's number two in your notes. God continues to contend for your good. It's not just the good of the world, for you too. Jesus continues to contend for your good because God's mission includes blessing you. See, Jesus is praying for this little group of people in this room. And then he pauses and he prays for all of those of us who will one day believe. He's praying for us to bless us. And if you were to look at that text, if you want to hold it up, it might be in your bulletin. You can follow along with me because I saw all these different things and all these different ways that God comes to bless us. And these are the ones that stood out to me, but I encourage you to look at it for you and see what stands out to you. Um, And circle it if you want, but I'm just going to show you in each verse, and I'm going to just like list down it. Um, Oh wow, you're not going to be able to read that. That is way too small. Okay, I'll read it for you. So verse 13, Jesus wants us to have a full measure of joy. And that word measure in the Greek, like we get our our English word, plethora from it. this idea is like a lot of joy. So Jesus wants us to have joy. That's one thing. Verse 14, wait, we're not of this world, which means that we belong to God. So we're blessed with a new identity and we're given God's word. That's two things of blessing. Verse 15, we're given protection from the evil one, right? Jesus is praying for protection verse 16. Once again, we have belonging in Christ, new identity. Verse 17, we're blessed with being set apart. Right? This word sanctification, we often think that it means holy, but it really can just mean set apart. And Jesus, he lived a life set apart, right? The trajectory of his life looked very different than it did for many people because he decided to live a life completely committed to God's work. And we are to have lives set apart too. So, this is a blessing. It means we're blessed with meaning-making, we're blessed with purpose. Verse 18, We are blessed with being sent just as Jesus sent us, Um, just as Jesus was sent. In verse 19, uh, we are blessed so that we can be set apart like Jesus, which means we're being blessed with being like God. That's kind of amazing. In verse 21, we're blessed with union, We can be with God. Those are the things that came to mind. I just jotted them down kind of chaotically like that. Feel free to go through this passage yourself and be like, as Jesus prays for me, what is he blessing me with? What is he praying for me for? How might I view this as a blessing? Because God continues to contend, yes, for the world, but God continues to contend for you, for your good. God's mission includes blessing you with joy, identity, protection and belonging. And last, number three in your notes, God's mission continues through us, through you, through me. What is your response to Jesus sending? Because that's what Jesus says in this passage, right? It's kind of buried there. I mean, it's a prayer, and Jesus did not write this one out, right? He was not reading from the common book of prayer. He was like doing this an ad lib prayer, So it's kind of like all over the place. Like you'll notice he talks about like being set apart here and then he talks about a little bit later on because he's just praying. And then his disciples are remembering what he prayed. They did a good job. Um, So Jesus is extemporaneously, you know, praying. And sometimes I think uh, we can kind of lose something that might be buried in the middle. And buried in the middle of this is the phrase, as you have sent me, so I send them. Here we go. This is going to be verse 18. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Hear that? As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Friends, you and I are sent to there's this lovely uh, little phrase in Ephesians 2.10, and the Apostle Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus. He, he, he shares a little bit more about this. This is what he says. For we are what he has made us, what God has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. We are created for what? It's right there in the middle, good works, good works. So I'm gonna say, We are created for What? good. We're created for good works. Now, friends, that means that, that people watching us should be able to tell that they're good works. <laughs> this is not just good works where we're like, oh yeah, these are really good. This is actually meant for their good, but it doesn't look like good works. No, no, no. These are clearly good works for people. So it has to be kind. It has to be loving. It has to actually work for someone's good, right? This is not a bait and switch here. We are literally created for good works which God has prepared beforehand because we are made to be sent, to be part of God's sending the God who contends for the world and contends for you. And here at Wellspring, you know, I have to say, like, my goal is, like, not to get more people into the church building, although that would be nice. Please come next week as we celebrate Father's Day. <laughs> the heart of our being is to be people who want to share God's love and genuine goodness to the world with the cosmos and you know what? That begins with each one of us, with God sparking new ways of thinking. God working into our imagination, a holy imagination, a picture of what life could be like. Right? When we look at the world and we think, this is so hopeless. Right? What do we do with all these shootings? What do we do um, in the schools? Like, this feels impossible. Well, God has given us brains and a mind. And that can be sparked with God's holy imagination for problem solving. Right? Our call to join God's work begins with our body. It begins with us working through the trauma stored in there with the the memories. It it has us trying to become people who are on the mend because it starts small and it grows in ever-widening circles of blessing. That's how God works. That's how God contends with one family growing to meet all families on earth. Since the cosmos is a big place, that's why we have to start small too, right? If you were to think for a minute, do your coworkers, do they know that you're a follower of Jesus by the way you treat them with kindness? What about your kids? <laughs> do my kids know I'm a follower of Jesus by the way I treat them? I hope so. <laughs> you, know, you can ask them if you must. <laughs> what about the people at at the mall or at Costco or I was driving? I have to say, um, my family, we went to Costco last week after after worship. And I thought it was such a lovely, lovely service, lovely time of worship last week. So it was just like, we ended on a really nice note, and we drove to Costco, and then we didn't want to be there forever, so we, we actually divvied ourselves up like, one parent, one child, one parent, one child, and then we, like, literally made a race. We're like, you go get the hot dogs outside, we're going to go buy the peanut butter inside, and, like, who's going to win? And, like, literally, we, like, we, we, we got out of our car, and we're, like, running. Like, I have one kid, and we're ahead like, to get our peanut butter, and the other ones are, like, standing in line for, like, the hot, the, the, the hot dog. And I have to say, I was not the nicest person in Costco. Because <laughs> you're, like, really not supposed to run in there, and, like... Me and a child who remained unnamed, we are kind of running and like weaving around people and we're trying to find the shortest line. And afterwards I thought, oh dang, like we had such a nice time of worship. And then there I am, like hustling all over Costco, like knocking people to the side, trying to win. I thought, oh no, where's the light and love of Christ? (laughs) Just reminds me that at all times we're called to be people who good works pour out of us. And God has given us the power of that. That's what we celebrate at Pentecost. Um Yes. This, this past week, um, there was this other lovely moment and actually involved social media. And very rarely for me um, do I ever have lovely moments on social media. Um, and I, was fo- I follow humans of New York, and it's this photographer who, who takes pictures. I see a couple of nods. Takes pictures of people in New York City, and then in the caption will, will tell their story or parts of their story. It's really meaningful. And um, this week, I was really impacted by this lady, Dietra, and she's a she's the lady there with her boxing gloves. She's there with her boxing instructor. She's a very spicy, vibrant, hardworking woman who had escaped a fundamentalist Christian household as a pastor's wife. She literally just, like, got out of the car and, like, left. Um, left her husband, left the church. Like, her story, oh, it, like, it impacted me to my bones. She's a, a powerful lady, and I'm really glad that she got out. But um, throughout the day, it was a 15-part point, point, um, like, story. So I kept like, clicking throughout the day, like, have got to go on Instagram. Is part 14 up yet? Is part 14 up yet? Just to keep refreshing it and hear her story all the way through. And you know, her story was so gripping that it really united the hearts of all these, these strangers that within just a few hours, 13,000 people had raised something like $350,000 for her. It's more than that now. This was, like what, Thursday or Friday this week. And that's because there's power when many people make small actions together. When we start small, just with our little circle, who we are. We know this can be for good or for evil, because Jesus isn't the only one that sends people. We saw other video footage this week. We know that other powers can coerce and deceive people and claim to be sent by God, but by their works, we can know them. Other powers have done this throughout the history of our world. In our own time, right? we saw video footage this past week of the the weeks from last year leading up to January 6th where a lot of people made small actions. They emailed each other, they wrote online, they made signs, they bought weapons and gear, they booked tickets, they texted each other, and then they mobbed the capital. They killed people there. Newses were constructed, some claimed were for our vice president, along signs that claimed to honor God. These are not good works. You and I are sent by Jesus to do good works, clearly identifiable to others. We are sent in love to bless our world, because no matter how bad it looks, God continues to contend for it. The God who made it in love will not let it go. One other picture I want to show you today. So, a man I met last week. He came actually to church a couple weeks ago. His name is Matt. Matt had a really bad childhood. His dad was a pastor. His dad was also a pastor who beat him. And Matt as a teenager found a new family in the gangs that he would run around in here locally. This is Matt right here. And uh, as part of his uh, embracing of these gangs, he he thought he was doing the right thing and uh, he did not do the right thing. He was convicted for manslaughter and he spent a number of years in prison for killing a man. And to add pain on top of pain, the person he killed, their sibling killed his sibling in retaliation. So it's pain on top of pain, killing on top of killing. Matt is a really humble guy, actually. If you wanted to to look him up later on, I can try to put some of his information there. He has this interview with KH12 News a couple years ago and some storytelling he did for Civil Beat. But Matt, when he got out of prison, um, he was on the streets and it was a group of guys from Word of Life that came and sought him out regularly. They would always greet him. Hey, you know, God loves you. How are you today? And um, he had so much pain and betrayal from the church and from his dad, like he did not want anything to do with them. But as they kept coming and blessing him and being kind and loving, he thought, you know, why not? Like, my life hasn't gone great so far. I'll, I'll just try church one more time. And he goes, and the Sunday that he's there, the pastor preaching said, is there anyone here who's never felt love before? And Matt was like, oh, that's me. I've never felt love before. He stood up, the whole church came around him, and he experienced genuine, life-changing, life-shattering love. Shame rolled away from him. He knew he belonged. He saw how God had been contending for him. And now Matt runs a ministry called First LAP. LAP stands for life after prison. And he's over here, right here at at, um, Halava. He works with the men and as well as at Wayava, which is uh, over in the Milani Tech Park area, I think. And so he works with men who are currently incarcerated and helps them bridge the gap between um, when they're incarcerated and when they come out and helps provide them with some housing and helps them walk through some of the things they need because oftentimes when these guys are let out of prison, they don't have anywhere to go. They don't have anywhere to sleep, nowhere to eat. They don't have an ID card. How can you get a job? You're just there on the street. Which then, of course, the cycle continues because, at least in prison, you get to have food, and you know, you know, you can kind of know what to expect from life. So he works with, he comes alongside guys in his first lap, and it all comes because someone told him and kept telling him that God loved him. Came because he reached a point in his life where he could experience God contending for him. So much so, he was able to go back to his dad and confront his dad. His dad was able to repent. He was able to understand more of his dad's background, who had been abused himself. He was able to make amends with the sister of the man he killed. Only to one day answer his phone at first lap and hear the voice of the man on the other line who had killed his brother in retaliation for his crime. Say, I heard you talk to my sister. Can you forgive me? There's love and goodness all around. Because God does not stop contending. Using people like you and me, God brings God's love and care and goodness to bless our world. That's what has been happening. That is what is happening now. And that is what will continue to happen. As I close, you have a little bookmark Um, that many of you received. And um, it goes through, actually, this word, bless, that we're going to be going through this summer. Um, And each one of these words stands for a very simple missional practice that we're going to be walking through. So we're not going to talk about it today, but take these bookmarks home, put them on your fridge, um, as we seek to join the God who contends for us by contending for others. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you never give up on this world that you made, this cosmos that you love, and on us as individual people that you care for as well. Help us to tell the truth about what we are facing. Help us to know that as we tell the truth, that you are there with us. You have not left us. And Lord, for those of us who cannot see your contending anymore, it is just too hard and too difficult I pray that your Holy Spirit would breathe your respite, would breathe your care, breathe your kindness, so that one day we can look back and say, you were there, you were working, and look at all the good that has come. We lift up all our prayers before you in the name of the Father,